Hello and welcome back to the To The Heights podcast. This is Olivia Colombo. I'm a young Catholic changemaker and I am so excited to be embarking on this project of sharing the stories of the young people of the Catholic Church and those who minister to them. The title of our podcast, To The Heights, is a translation of the quote Verso Le Alto by Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, a 24-year-old student and a lover of mountain climbing who's on his way to canonization because he dedicated his life to caring for the poor and the vulnerable. His catchphrase, To the Heights, serves as a prayer and a reminder to keep on reaching and achieving for the glory of God. And our guest today has done certainly that. I am so excited to have Meyer Chambers on this episode of the To the Heights podcast. Meyer is a campus minister at Boston College, where I am a sophomore, um, and he also directs the Liturgy Arts Group, which is my family away from my family and my home away from home. Um and is a home for so many students at BC. Um, There are about 80 of us in the liturgy arts group, which is called LAG, um, and it's a group of singers and musicians, instrumentalists, um, and we dabble in other fine arts as well, Um, but we provide the music on BC's campus for all of our um, big liturgies. Um, We do weddings and funerals and... um, we, we celebrate and we have prayer services and um, it is truly one of the biggest joys of my time at Boston College. Um, we are a big community. We also split into three different communities. We have three simultaneous 8 p.m. masses um, on campus every Sunday and we split into our three different chapel communities. So the St. Joseph's Chapel community is truly my family. Um, where my roommates are from, um, where so many of my best friends at BC are from, and Meyer is the one who fosters a lot of that, um, obviously directing our choir from a very skilled technical standpoint. Um, the lag office in campus ministry, the doors are always open and I am in there at least once a day with so many other members of lag sitting around the big table trying to get work done, probably not getting work done, eating lunch, chatting with Meyer. He is an amazing like adopted dad um, for all of us in lag um, and cares so well for all of us as do the other directors of lag. But in this episode, I wanted to sit down and chat with Meyer um, about his life story, which is very interesting. He knows so many people in the Catholic world, even just walking into Catholic TV um, this morning. He immediately was like, I want to say hi to Jay. I want to say he was just name dropping all of these people. Um, And they were all so, so happy to see him and to reunite. He knows so many people in the Catholic world um, and has such had such a big impact um, on the Archdiocese of Boston and on Boston College. He's done so many incredible things. I'm so grateful that he is such a big part of my life, and I really wanted to sit down and chat with him. It really was a fun conversation. We're obviously very comfortable with each other and poke fun at each other um, a fair bit, and it was such a joy to talk to you, Meyer. So without further ado, here is Meyer's story of Reaching to the Heights. All right, we are here in the Catholic TV studio here in Watertown, and I am here with a very exciting guest. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. I cannot wait to talk to you. <laughs> Would you like to introduce yourself? What's your name, and what do you do for work? Oh, my. Uh, my <laughs> name is Meyer Chambers, and I'm a campus minister at Boston College with the responsibility of working with students who love to do church music. Yes, that's a good way to put that. Yeah. Um, all right, so my vision for this episode, I dragged Meyer here over spring break. I'm sorry. 
Yeah. It's yeah. only taken almost a year. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Okay. I started recording this podcast a year ago. Yeah. And yeah, I reached out to you then. Yeah. I tried to get you over the summer. Yep. I think that, I don't know, that says something about both of us. Yep. Yep. That we. And we're going to leave that unsaid. Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> For the same reason that I was at church until 11 p.m. tomorrow night and oh, got geez. up at however early. Yep. I oh, promise boy. I slept. Mm-hmm. That's always good. Sleep is good. Yes. Yep. Um, all right. So on this podcast, I have talked many times about WAG, which is the Liturgy Arts Group, which is Boston College's liturgical choir. And I always feel bad calling it the liturgical choir because the poor instrumentalists get left oh, out. Yeah. I guess that's why the, the originator of that term, which I never quite understood, called it the Liturgy Arts Group and not a choir because mm-hmm. uh, it's a music ministry. Yeah. But it's also involved, at when it first started, it involved liturgical dance, it involved actual physical art, which mm. we still make use of somewhat, especially when um, it comes time to doing our annual uh, concert yeah. at the Arts Fest. There's always somebody from mm-hmm. the group that produces a piece of artwork that goes on the cover of the program. Mm. And it's usually sacred art, yeah, a student-centered sacred art, yes, yes which is always kind of mm-hmm. good. Yes. I remember seeing the flyer, like... I don't know. I think my mom brought it home during like orientation and it was liturgy arts group and it had something about like fine art, like physical yeah. art. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's where I want to be. Yeah. And then, and then I got roped into being in a choir, which <laughs> is still just, just as beautiful. It's wonderful. And you're um, home. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I forget. I started on a train of thought and then it just ended. And this is how this is going to go. Works for me. Yep. Um, so I actually asked um, LAG members, which LAG is LAG is very hard to describe. It is very much a family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Multiple a, families, actually, into one big family. Yes, yeah. yes. It It's a weird grouping of people. We are very weird together. We love being weird together. Um, the LAG office is home. Yeah. Also a weird home, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. It's an open-door policy there, that's for yes. sure. Yes, yep. Um, but I asked lag members to submit questions for Meyer. So okay. <laughs> that's how that's going to go later. But first, I did want to talk about, like, I don't know, you have a very interesting life story and you've done a lot of really cool things in the Catholic world. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Humble, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's yes. been an incredible ride. Yeah. Uh, you want me to talk about that, don't I you? I do, yes. I mean, I was going to mention that, like, when you first walked into the studio, which you haven't been to the studio in a long time, right? Right. Yes. It's been three or four years. Since but you know, here. like... So many people here, so well. Like Jay Fadden came running out of a meeting to come downstairs to say hi and chat with you. A lot of old friends here. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember Monsignor when he first uh, was running the TV studio. Yeah. Um, and so many people who have worked here over the years. And times I've come in to do tapings with another choir that I, mm-hmm. I direct. And other things that I did when I was the director of the Office for Black Catholics for the Archdiocese. Mm-hmm. Um, those were 12 wonderful years that I spent uh, working for the church uh, and the people of Boston yeah. and the Archdiocese of Boston, which is pretty broad and spread out. Mm-hmm. But my, my own journey um, and, and, and things that have affected my life were, are uh, memories that I, I, I'll never forget. Mm. But, you know, uh, people often ask me, well, how did you get into this? <laughs> yeah. Well, the how did I get into this a story starts when I was about mm, four or five. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's one <laughs> of those deals. Okay. And it's, um, 
the interesting thing is that it involves a janitor. Ah, okay. This is not where I expected this to go. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, And his name was Mr. Washington. And Mr. Washington was the janitor of the elementary school that I went to. But he was also the church organist and choir director. Mm. Tough as nails. Mm -hmm. Old school, pre-Vatican II. I know I sound like I'm 25, but gang, I'm not. (laughs) I was born a long time ago, so I remember the church prior to Vatican II. Vaguely, but I do remember it. And um, as such, I sang in the church choir. uh, And I'll never forget singing one Christmas Eve. Um, There was a kid. His name was Keith Ellsworth. And he sang the most beautiful Christmas carol ever. Um, It was, of course, O Holy Night. And he couldn't have been more than six or seven at the time because he was a little bit older than me. But I always remember, boy, I want to sing like that kid. Mm. Never did, never could. But uh, he and Mr. Washington, of course, really made an impression on me. And uh, it was not that Mr. Washington was uh, the greatest organist ever, but he was the greatest organist that I'd ever run into. Mm. And he certainly influenced um, my growing up and wanting to play the piano and wanting to play the organ. Uh, You know, back then... People would always ask you, little boy, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> and, of course, you know, I could never say, I want to be the church organist. I always say, I want to be a doctor. And I was no more interested in medicine than the man in the moon. But that's what I would say every time. But deep down in my heart, I always wanted to be a pastoral musician, mm-hmm. not knowing back then what the term pastoral musician meant. But I do now. And yeah. um, I, that was an aspiration of mine. And so... Um, I sang in the church choir, and then, of course, when I became seven, made my first communion, I became an altar server, but always had an affinity for music and, and kept close to it. Now, the interesting story is this. Mm. I was number five in the, in the lineup and, uh, of the children. Yes. There were three girls above me. All mm. of them had piano lessons. And when I was old enough to take piano lessons, my parents sold the piano. Ooh. And today, I'm the only one who plays the piano. Yeah. Weird, isn't it? Yeah. But my dad, being the guy that he is, when I was 10 years old uh, and in the fifth grade, our school started a band program. Mm. And he brought home a trumpet. And that's what I played from fifth grade all the way through (laughs) undergraduate school and beyond. As a matter of fact, I was a trumpet major in, in, in college. And I also studied piano. And then I, toward the end of that time, I started to... Uh, study voice and sang with the New Orleans Opera and the Berkshire Opera and some other places. Um, but always had this this connection to to church music somehow. Mm-hmm. And when um, skip uh, forward a few years, quite a few years, <laughs> uh, uh, when I was finishing my first graduate degree and uh, uh, looking for a job, I worked at a private school in Braithwaite, Louisiana, which is south of New Orleans, where I grew up. And um, the headmaster of the school was moving after two years and moving to upstate New York, and he needed a music teacher. And he said, would you like to come to New York? I'm like, I'm 20-something years old. Sure, I'll go to New York. Why not? Mm -hmm. Of course, it wasn't New York City. It was the sticks of New York, (laughs) which was one of the most beautiful places I'd ever been. 
Yeah. Um, it was in the Berkshire Mountains, the foothills of the Berkshire Mountains, and it was set. The school was set in an old Shaker community, so all of the buildings were Shaker original Shaker buildings, mm-hmm. and it was just an incredibly beautiful place. Drafty, cold, and that was the most snow I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> but for four years, it was a place that I called home. And while I was there, an interesting thing happened that very first winter. There was a little church mm-hmm. called the Immaculate Conception, Church of the Immaculate Conception, in the valley. And it's, it's famous for its grotto that's outside the church because people from all over the area would stop by and pray at that grotto. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> the church, being a little country church, was never locked. So, unfortunately, a teenager mm-hmm. went in um, during that first winter that I was there and uh, tipped over all the candles, mm-hmm. and the church was gutted by fire. So, for a couple of years, the the church met in the parish hall where they had masses. And then, um, I think it may have been the third year I was there, uh, it was time for the, the church to have confirmation. Now... I would go back and forth between the church in the Lebanon Valley and uh, a church that I visited in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, and I would sing at both of them from time to time, but not so much at the church in the Valley because they really didn't have a formalized program. So uh, the pastoral associate there um, found out that I was the music teacher at the high school, Mm -hmm. the boarding school that was nearby, and she said, and I know you're Catholic, so we need your help. I'm like, with what? She said, we're having confirmation, and we need someone to help us do the music for confirmation. Would you be willing to do that? I'm like, I guess. I've never yeah. really done it before, but okay, I'll jump in and help out. Mm-hmm. And so Bishop Howie Hubbard was the Bishop of Albany at the time, and mm-hmm. this is part of the Albany Diocese because this town is just southeast of Albany. And so the bishop came, and we had a wonderful confirmation. And then um, it was time for them to rededicate the church. They rebuilt it. And they said, uh, would you help us again with the rededication of the church? And I said, well, okay, I'll do that too. And then eventually um, I became the music director of that little parish. And while there, um, this wonderful woman uh, who was, again, and she and her husband, the deacon at the parish, uh, were... Uh, very influenced by the work of Sister Thea Bowman. Mm, And they would talk to me about Thea Bowman all the time. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I had met Sister Thea Bowman when I was a graduate student at Xavier University in New Orleans because they were just starting the the Institute for Black Catholic Studies back then, around 1980. And and I just happened to be in a chapel one day and she came in. That woman, when she walked into a room, she just lit it up. Mm. And there was no one else there besides she and I. Yeah. But the two of us were the only ones there. And I'm like, who is this woman? Mm. Who are you? Like, and she was so gracious, so beautiful in the way she approached me. And she just wanted to know who I was and what I was doing. She was yeah. very interested in, in, in what I was about. Mm-hmm. I was just in there practicing yeah. uh, for a, a mass or something. It did, nothing really important or significant. But, boy, that made an impression on my heart. You know, Someday she will be declared a saint. I have great faith in that. But back to the story. <laughs> so um, Claire was the woman's name. Claire and I would talk about uh, Sister Thierry and her music, and, and we would talk about the fact that uh, I should go on to graduate school mm-hmm. and, and consider looking further into um, 
pastoral music. And so I considered it, and I was just about to enroll and apply for the program at Catholic University mm-hmm. when the opportunity for me to come to the Boston area came to the table, <laughs> which um, I took advantage of, and I sort of delayed the whole entrance into Catholic University. But after my first year at St. Sebastian School, I started the graduate program at Catholic University, which lasted for over five summers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a lot of things happened. I got married, uh, studied at Notre Dame for a summer because Catholic U back then used to shut down its liturgy department. And so uh, we all went traipsing off to Notre Dame, one of the best summers I've ever had. Yeah. The place was just exciting in the summer, and the program and the professors and just everything mm-hmm. that went on. The liturgy was rich. I mean, it was yeah. just an incredible experience. It was, I was like a kid in a candy line. You know? <laughs> it was just awesome. And uh, number, child, number, number one child was born in the summer of 92, and then um, the next summer... I went back and completed the degree work for um, the master's in liturgical music. And in the meantime, um, I had started working at the Archdiocese of Boston as director of the Office for Black Catholics. And that lasted from 1991 to um, 2003. Um, and that was a great time because the, the, the Archdiocese of Boston Black Catholic was founded mm-hmm. during that time, and uh, the Paris Choir of St. John St. Hugh at the time was uh, going well, and St. Sebastian's was going well. Everything was just yeah. happening, you know, and during that time, I'll never forget, we had the opportunity to go on a pilgrimage tour, and the choir in 1995 went to Italy, mm-hmm. and we sang in Rome, we sang in Florence and we sang in Assisi and it was just exquisite and uh, Cardinal Law of course was the Archbishop of Boston at the time and uh, we just had a great 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 experience we we got to sing for the Holy Father in a great hall and it just so happened most times a choir comes all that distance yeah and they get to sing for like 30 seconds Mm -hmm. there was no other choir that day oh wow there was us in the German Oompa band. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how did they end up here? Yeah. So the band played a little bit, and then we sang, and they said, no, 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 keep singing, keep mm. singing. So we got to sing for like 20 minutes in the wow. great hall. And it was just like, is yeah. this really happening, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, then uh, Mother Teresa came to, uh, we saw her in the hallway yeah. quite accidentally. Uh, when we were at the Vatican, we toured the place and did all these wonderful things. Um, it, the private audience was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, John Paul II, Saint John Paul II mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget. My, if my wife were here, she would tell you this wonderful story um, because we went back a second time for mm-hmm. the canonization of Catherine Drexel, ah. who founded Xavier University, which is the university I graduated from. Mm-hmm. And so we were there on October 1st of 2000. I haven't stopped talking since you asked me the question, have I? I love it. I well, don't know. <laughs> if you want a break, I, I can interject. But No, no, no. Yeah. It's, it's all good because I may as well get the whole story out now. Yeah. And I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. <laughs> oh, it was, it was incredible. It was just a, a life experience. So on that day, Catherine Drexel was um, 
canonized along with Josephine Baquita, mm. a Sudanese nun. I love her. Um, there was St. Maria Josepha, I believe is her name. Mm. And then there were, I believe, Chinese martyrs or something. Mm. There were four canonizations that day. And these beautiful nuns, Sudanese nuns were there and they were standing next to us. And my wife was standing there and everybody had their own little scars from their patron. Yeah. Right? So this religious sister traded scars with Beth. Huh. And so we still have the scarf today. It's yeah. amazing. It's so emotional too. Mm. So when the Holy Father was coming down in his, his mobile, yeah. um, uh, the nuns saw that Beth couldn't see. So they literally took and pushed her to the huh. edge of the rail so she could see the Holy Yeah. Father. It was awesome, yeah. you know? Um, and th- there's so many things that have happened after that. And then in 2003, uh, I made the decision to move to Boston College, which is a story in and of itself mm-hmm. as well. Because um, I actually interviewed initially for the position at uh, Holy Cross. Oh, hmm. It, that position as a music director and the music director position at Boston College became available at the same time. But I didn't know Mm. that the position at BC was available. Yeah. Now, back up a little bit further Mm -hmm. to the the establishment of the Boston chapter of the National Association of Pastoral Musicians. Mm -hmm. I was kind of involved in that as well. And so when notices would come for different things that were going on in the diocese or positions that were available, I would share them with the the musicians in the area. Well, a good friend of mine, Deacon Paul Covino, who used to be a campus minister at Holy Cross, Mm -hmm. who is now the director of campus ministry at uh, Assumption College, Uh sent me this note. Back then, people actually sent letters (laughs) and not emails. Um, so he sent me this this notice that uh, they were looking for somebody to do this position. And he put a personal note in there and he said, by the way, Meyer, if you're interested in this position, you should apply. I'm like, I'm going to live and die in the Archdiocese of Boston. I'm going to retire from yeah. here. I'm all set. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Well, the notice came back again. And it's like, it was like fly paper. Every time I put yeah. it in the trash after I was done with it, it ended up came on my up. desk again. It was like, is God trying to tell me yeah. you should need to apply for this job? Mm-hmm. So I did, and I went through the process, and I was one of two finalists, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But in the meantime, as I was going through the process, an alum of BC and a very close Mm. friend of mine said, you know, they're looking for the same kind of person at BC. And I thought, really? Well, since I'm doing one application, I may as well do two. So I sent in the application. Never heard anything back from BC. Hmm. Never. And I said, okay, that's fine. I'm not really looking for a job. I have a job, you know, yeah. and I have lots of jobs. So I'm very <laughs> yeah. happy, very, very content. So um, so back to the, the, the finalist thing. Uh, went through the process, went for the interview, conducted the, the choir there, met with some students, met with staff, the whole bit, and was totally vetted. And... Um, Paul Cavino called me up because he was in charge of the search. And he said, Meyer, um, we have decided to go with the other candidate, not mm-hmm. you. But, you know, he said, if this was really hard because I know both of you personally. And I didn't know who the other candidate was yeah. at the time. And he said, uh, you, either of you would have done this job excellently well. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out that the other person was a friend of mine by the name of Paul Melly, who mm-hmm. um, has since left there, but 
he was in the running for the position yeah. and he got it. I'm so happy because I think like almost the same day that I got the call from Holy Cross that they were not going to yeah. invite me to the position. I got a call from BC. <laughs> uh, are you available? And would you still like to talk about this position? <laughs> I said, well, okay, may as well. Yeah. So I did the same thing. Uh, met with students, met with staff, um, the, the now vice president of mission and ministry, father Jack Butler was on mm-hmm. that committee and uh, various and sundry other people. Yeah. And then I had to meet with the original founder of the Liturgy Arts Group. It was just she and me privately mm. meeting. Oh, I wasn't nervous. You're <laughs> right. This is her legacy, yeah. which she's going to entrust to me somehow, perhaps, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I felt a little bit of pressure. Yeah. Sister Tish Blaine. Uh, Tish Blaine um, was a, a BC. Uh, campus minister, mm-hmm. and she helped found yeah. the liturgy arts group, which went to um, her one of her proteges, and then to me. So I'm the third person okay. to direct the liturgy arts group. Mm-hmm. So that's how kind of how I got here, yeah. and then that was back in 2003 when I started. Mm-hmm. When I was two, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't think things like that were there was going to be any mudslinging in this, but. <laughs> I guess it's on. The gloves are off. Yes, mm-hmm. you were two. <laughs> and I was slightly more than 22. But uh, we'll just mm-hmm. let that be. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, now at the torch, whenever we talk about like the founding of the torch or like when Stokes was built or something like that, <laughs> um, we do it in relationship to like when Olivia was whatever. Oh, geez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We use, yeah, I'm like the... The unit of measurement some, now. Some mile markers, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yep. I'm, I'm not going to like this, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for all of that. <laughs> um, all right. So would you like to talk about, we've got your story all the way until you're at BC. What do you, what does your daily life look like at BC? Like, what is your ministry with Black? You know, we mentioned the whole open door policy. Yes, which means there is no typical day. (laughs) Right. And they they really aren't. I mean, there are things that I have to accomplish every day because I know what my schedule is. I always have to be ready for the next mass prayer service, whatever the event is. And there are things that I'm going to do along the way to prepare. And and because, let's face it, we have some musical expertise. We're not Mm -hmm. saying we're Luciano Pavarotti, but, you know, we have, we know what we're doing. Yeah. Um. If we don't know what we're doing, we shouldn't be doing it, right? Mm-hmm. But the the important thing is, I have a friend, and he's the headmaster of, of St. Sebastian School, and he, and he always talks about the essence of life is in relationships. Mm. The Liturgy Arts Group is all about relationships. Yes. And I don't mean that in a negative sense. I'm not talking boyfriend, girlfriend. Oh, there's some, there's some of that. <laughs> there is, on. and they oftentimes get married. A lot of married. LAG love. We have <laughs> yeah. a lot of LAG weddings and a yes. lot of LAG babies floating around now, yes. which is a beautiful thing. Um, the most recent one was born not too yes. long ago. Mateo. Little Mateo, mm-hmm. yes. But uh, more importantly, it, it's about the relationships that we develop with each other mm-hmm. um, in God's eyes. Uh, because... We have people that come to us who are varying at varying points of their own um, spiritual journeys. Um, they're looking, they're searching, they're asking questions. We have people who come with a lot of gifts to bring to the table, mm-hmm. and we come. We have people who come needing to be fed at the table. 
because they're not being fed someplace else. And it, the liturgy arts group is not everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> and, and that's fine. Yeah. Even for the Catholics, it's not everybody's cup of tea. And again, that's fine. Um, but no one is turned away because of what they feel, what they think, or uh, what they preach. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone is welcome, uh, which is why that, that Marty Hogan song uh, means so much in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, people are welcome there. Yeah. So a typical day um, can be me starting out at my desk answering an email or preparing a worship aid or uh, compiling an outline for the next liturgy and someone knocks on the door or comes in and says, hey, you got a minute? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the minute turns into a half hour, turns into 45 minutes. And again, that's what's important. And, you know, there are times when you don't have that minute and you have to say, can can I give you that minute like in a half hour <laughs> kind of thing? Um, uh, but it's never been the case where someone is not deserving of the time. Yeah. You know, and if they took the time to come and see me, then I'm going to take the time to see what they have to say. Mm, good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. And when you said knock on the door, how often does anyone knock on the lag office door? Oh, maybe once the first time they come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that Mr. or Dr. Chambers thing. It's yes. It's like, who? who? Who is that? <laughs> yeah. Or like, I think, I think it was Sarah. It was one of the lag freshmen was telling me the other day that the first time that they came into the office, they thought they were interrupting a meeting yeah. because there's so many people sitting around the table. No, they're just no, eating their lunch no. and there's always people in there. Or trying to study. Try, yeah. yeah. You I don't, don't know come, anybody studies no. there. I don't get it. Yeah. But they do it all the time. I'm mm-hmm. like, how do you do this? You don't come to the lag office if you need to get something done. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. So that's BC. What are you up to at your parish? Because this is also you... Something you said like many minutes ago now, you were like, I have many jobs. And I'm like, yes, that that sums up. That could be like your tagline. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, the parish. Yes. Well, the parish, well, a lot of things are going on at the parish. First yes. of all, it's Lent now. Yeah. So we are doing the second of a series that we started last year. Okay. We, we're a small parish. Mm-hmm. Mostly African American community, but we're an incredibly rich parish. Yeah. Not with bucks. We don't have money. We've got resources and we've got people, mm-hmm. great people. And one of those great people is um, Dr. Sean Copeland, who just retired from Boston College as a theology, a systematic theology mm-hmm. professor. And she, her latest book, we studied as a community last year Mm. so this year the series is on taking down our harps which was uh edited compiled and edited by um father cyprian davis Mm -hmm. who was a benedictine out of saint minred and um uh, dr uh diana hayes who was a longtime uh theology professor at georgetown yeah um and in the book are articles by dr copeland um, uh, Dr. Twinette Eugene, um, uh, Father Clarence Joseph Rufus Rivers, mm-hmm. um, and some others who escape me right now. But every Sunday, 
we have a discussion group that meets after mass, mm -hmm. after the 10 o'clock mass. And there's a different presenter uh, for uh, like a chapter of the book. Yeah. So the parish is reading the book for Lent. Mm -hmm. And one of the parishioners, because we have, again, some great theologians in the parish. Yeah. And we're going to each take turns um, presenting a chapter of the book. I'm not a theologian, but they begged me to, <laughs> to present one of the chapters, which I'm kind of excited about. Mm -hmm. um, of course, it's a chapter on liturgy, uh, <laughs> which well, is kind of like my sense. favorite topic. Yeah. But it's 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 mostly about cultural liturgy, mm. which uh, I know some interesting things have been said about that sort of thing. And, I, you know, I love the fact that some people have paid attention to the work of Anscar Chapongo um, on, on liturgy and enculturation. Yeah. Um, and others who have written extensively on the topic, you know, Ricky Manalo, mm. uh, Rufino Zaragoza, yeah. Tony, Tony, um, Tony Alonso, I mean, so many great people who have done some incredible work and, and, in, and including um, these great African-American scholars um, who have contributed to the discussion mm -hmm. in wide ways. Dr. Giles Conwell is in the book as well. Mm -hmm. um, he taught me for many years at Morehouse, yeah. African Studies. Um, so, I'm, I'm again, I'm just... Humbled and yes. excited to be a part of that, and I hope mm -hmm. I have something fruitful to, to yeah. share with people when the time comes. Mm -hmm. I've been reading the book, and it's 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 really really quite formidable. Yeah, it was published in the late nineties. Okay, so it has history to it. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. Then yeah. we have confirmation coming up. I'm I'm gonna I've got like oh my god, <laughs> I think like six confirmations oh, to do dear. this year. I'm doing them in Norton, BC, mm -hmm. Parish. But we're, we're preparing for um, an April uh, confirmation because I think the one at BC we're doing on the 17th and the one yes. at the parish is on the 18th. Yep. Uh. <laughs> and I leave for Haiti potentially on the 18th. Yes, that's exciting. So maybe I'll be there on the 17th. What part of Haiti are you going to be in? Uh, Dondon and Delverge. It's near It's near Miragon, like on the southern peninsula. Oh, really? Yeah, like 80 miles out from Port-au-Prince. I've only I've only been to Haiti once, and it was in June of 2000. 2000 was a very interesting year. Mm. I don't and, know why I wasn't around for it. Uh, <laughs> and the mud continues. Um, but it, it was something again I will never forget. Um, my friends are with the Saint Boniface Haiti Foundation. Mm. They have a new name these days, but back then they were the Saint Boniface Haiti Foundation, which was actually literally started at Saint Boniface Parish in Germantown. Uh, here in the Quincy area. Mm. So uh, our then pastor, uh, Father Jerry Osterman, had been trying for years to get me to go to Haiti. Mm -hmm. And so I finally had to break down and go yeah. to Haiti. And again, it was the most memorable trip that mm -hmm. I, it was a 10-day trip, and we did um, medical missions. Mm. Brought, brought a lot of Band-Aids and yeah. uh, cloth and things like that that people could use because wow. it's amazing what they didn't have. Yeah. And they were in the process of finishing the building of a hospital in a little town called Fondeblon. Um, and many people know about Fondeblon. Uh, I'm surprised when I talk to my Haitian friends, they're mm -hmm. aware of it. Um, but the, the name of the hospital back then was Centre de Santé. And it's now completed, and it's one of the hospitals that was used during the earthquake as a recovery mm -hmm. post. Because it's inland. Yeah. And uh, back then, I'll never forget, 
the, the measure of wealth was how many goats you had. Yes. Yep. So we, when I came back, I, I came back to St. Sebastian's because um, I'm still on staff there. And I told them about uh, what was going on. And I said, you know, for $30, we can buy a goat. Yeah. We bought a lot of goats. <laughs> so we did a, had a fundraiser with the parents and the kids. And everybody was buying goats. And we did like one of those goat poles. And <laughs> That's so awesome. We showed how many goats we were <laughs> raising. It was awesome. It was yeah. really awesome. Yeah. And then um, I'll, I'll never forget going to the Citadel. And seeing the ocean from that high up vantage yeah. point, they, they they were incredible thinkers. The the, the Haitians who, who created that castle up there is mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, well, it's a fort really, but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And interesting, you mentioned goats. I don't think I, I don't know if you know this, but goats are our, like mascot of this podcast. No, I did not know that. Yep, yep that's new. Um, <laughs> we we have a weird relationship with goats on the podcast, Sister Bethany said that her favorite animal was goats, and that just, like, started this whole chain. Now we're obsessed with goats on the podcast, and everyone talks about goats. And you very inadvertently just mentioned goats. So I appreciate that. A lot of goats. Yep. Yeah. So our our new logo, which is now on, like, T-shirts and stuff, um, is a mountain goat because to the heights and goats. Oh, jeez. Yep. I was (laughs) actually not the one who came up with that. I'm sure Bishop Reed is just loving that. <laughs> oh yes, yes, and right along with Bishop Reed. Bishop Reed, yes, yes, yes my yes. my pet. I still fish. have. Have I met him yet? Not, I you met, have not. No. The, the bishop is going to visit the office. I take it at some point. I'm sure he will. Yeah. I almost froze him to death in the Resurrection parking lot the other day. Oh. I stopped at Resurrection on my way home from. Oh. I think I was in the office. I went home on last Friday for spring uh-huh. break, uh-huh. and I put Bishop in a box in my car. Well, in a tank, in a box, in a uh, car. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, water, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I left him. I forgot about him at the car. I stopped at Father Sinisha's on the way home, oh. and um, I forgot him in the car. But he's fine. He's thriving. Good. He he appreciates the fact that his grandmother, fish mom, my mom, actually feeds him on a regular basis. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I take care of the fish. Well, I was going to say, don't put your finger in the tank after that experience. <laughs> Bishop might not be he's, so happy. He's a little. He's he's a good. Fish. Is he a feisty fish? No, no, he's not. No. I know that you're not a fan of beta fish or whatever. Oh, I love them. I just act, I don't have a problem with them. They're fine. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Just don't put them together. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ashley wants. <laughs> Ashley, my roommate, wants to fight. She wants to have a tournament of beta fish, but that's that's a different. That's not a Catholic story, right there. Um, to the death. Yep. Yep. Yeah. She wants to see which no, one will win. No. Ash, no, no, no. 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 And like now that I've named him after a bishop, I kind of like. No. Nah, yeah, we can't. Yeah. We can't do that. <laughs> we cannot kill. So bishop. have the two of them taken a selfie yet? Ashley and Bishop. No, Bishop and Bishop. No, Bishop has actually never met Bishop. <gasps> I know they met virtually, but he would love that. What am I going to do? Carry the tank into the podcast studio? Well, if you almost froze him in a parking lot out <laughs> at at Resurrection, certainly he can come. Here. Fine, fine. Yeah. He's got to take, Bishop has got to take a selfie with Bishop. Bishop, yeah. Bishop is into selfies, so I see he him is. all the time. Yes. He's yeah. cool. He, he is cool. I was actually just talking, I think with Sister Christina, that like, he needs to come on the podcast at some time. He hasn't been on the He po- hasn't been on the podcast. Oh. Yeah. He's been on, um, oh, good. what's the other one? Kevin and Jay started a podcast called K Kevin. and Jay. Um, K and J. Yep, like the oh, letters. God. Yep, and then Bishop was on it because that just makes the, sense. The, the three of them together, you know. Yes. Yeah. Oh, boy. I have not listened to that episode, but I, saw I remember Bishop's him when he was a lowly little parish priest in Plymouth. 
and also in in Dorchester. Oh, yeah, interesting. And then Big also fire chaplain. Ah, yeah, hmm. he's got history. That boy. Yeah, um, he. I actually I need to have him on probably before I go abroad to Jerusalem because he randomly when I was in Israel he texted me like make sure you go to this specific church I'm blanking on the name it's um the one it's a church built over the prison cell where Christ was held overnight and the high it's built over the high priest's really? house um and he apparently lived in Jerusalem for some period of time and was a tour guide as a seminarian at this church. And I'm like, you, you just, past. yeah, yep. I have no idea when he had time to do that, but he did. Yeah. 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 Sounds like Bobby. He's mm-hmm. just a good guy. Yeah. A lot of respect for that man. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. I'm going to pull up the questions that Lag asked you. Oh. Yes. But while I'm doing that, would you I think like. I have a funeral to go play somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a church right there. Um, would you like to tell me what some things that Lag does, like spring trip, arts fest, what masses we do? List them off. What are your favorite lag events? Oh, don't. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Sorry. No favorites. Wrong I, I can tell you all of them, but none of them are favorites. They're all favorites. Think about it when we get together. Yes. Whether True. we get together okay. as a small community. One of the things we didn't mention when we were talking about the diversity yeah. and all of that business is that we're a group of about 80 kids. Yes, this is important. Right? And we, we get together once a week to rehearse. Mm-hmm. But on Sundays, the students generally worship in the communities where they live on campus. So yeah. we have three simultaneous 8 p.m. masses, and they're staffed by uh, liturgy arts group uh, musicians and singers. So uh, that that kind of needs a little bit of explanation. Yeah. So wh- whether we're doing a big mass for the Mass of the Holy Spirit uh, or we're doing something as small as the t- student taze or yeah. – or, um, reconciliation or Ash Wednesday in the parish. It's just yeah. awesome. Or we go off someplace. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean where two yeah, or three are present. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. They're all a blast. I, and because we get the privilege and I, and I underscore that it's a privilege mm. to do this, yeah. you know, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. It's, it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You know, even when we're not at our best, it's it's the best. Yes. You know? Yeah. I just RSVP'd yes for the MCI Framingham mass. And uh, that fits the definition of privilege. Like, that's what I felt last year. That, like, yeah. you are, like, these women are inviting me in yeah. to their your, space. Yeah. Yeah. Your space to worship with you. Um, yeah. That was, that's really special. That's, yeah. If I was going to pick a favorite, but honestly, yeah, they're, they're all favorites for different reasons. Trying to think of some other things. To Sister Maureen Clark, the, the the minister there. Yes. Oh my god. She's. Oh my god. What she a would be a house. good podcast guest right there. Oh. Yeah. She, she would have your listeners' ears spinning. Yes. She. She yeah. who must be obeyed. Nobody mm-hmm. says no to that woman. No. Nope. Um. All right. Are you ready for some lag questions? No. Listen, they're they not that me. intimidating. There's one. Do you want me to start with one for? From Brenna, like that. It's, Brenna, yeah, she puts me in my place regularly. <laughs> okay, your other <laughs> options are like Lizzie. Oh God, who I'm trying to get the God Quad, Lizzie and her three roommates on the God Quad. Yes, they they all live together and they have. Have you never heard of the God Quad? I had never heard that term. Before. So they have Pope cutouts 
that like no, cardboard cutouts of Benedict and Francis that no. have been passed down through like I think the Thomas More Society they pass it down, but now no, it's no. like a GP thing. So oh. yeah, yeah, and they're um they're in Vute overlooking Linden Lane. Yeah. So if you're driving down to Gasson, you have Pope Take Benedict look. and Francis oh, looking out boy. your window. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's great. I, anybody's fine. It doesn't okay. matter. Um, let's start with Mary Claire. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Mary Claire. Yep. Um, how would you describe lag in one word? Awesome. Aw. Okay, that's it. Well, you said one word. Fine. I can use many. I haven't. I used many so far. You, you have. Yes. Yeah. And like we're almost at time, Meyer. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah. Oops, sorry. See, doesn't it? I promised it goes by fast. Yeah, well, that's because so, I have a blabber mouth, but go ahead. Well, it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> um, how did you decide that music ministry was your passion? I feel like we've we've touched upon that. I, again, I'm, I'm going to talk about Mr. Washington. Yeah. Um, the, the guy was literally the school janitor. Mm-hmm. He swept the floors, unplugged the toilets, and played the Ave Maria. Mm. <sighs> yeah. I want to be him when I grow up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, why did you transition to music ministry with college students? Was it truly just on a whim, like applying for those two jobs? Or was there something about working with college kids that you wanted? No, I, you know, I think it was more coming back to uh, or realizing the vocation of full-time music ministry. Mm. I I really didn't know what I was getting into. Yeah. Um, I knew some of what I was. I mm-hmm. worked with college students on a smaller level. Yeah. Um, before, once before, but it was kind of interim. Um, but finding out what's truly possible, mm-hmm. I think everything that I've done up to this time kind of prepared me for the experience. A little more of an explanation there. I studied music education as an undergraduate. Yeah. My first graduate degree was um, a degree in curriculum and instruction. So I was prepared to be um, in the classroom and outside yeah. the classroom. I was prepared to be like a supervisor, school district music supervisor kind of thing. But then, the again, I was always connected to a parish somehow. Yeah. Even when, you know, you try to buck the church, <laughs> when you try to get away from the church, I was always connected. And when I wasn't connected, the church connected me. Mm. Okay, so I'm not so sure that the transition of my working with college students was my idea. Yeah. As much as it was the students idea when they decided we're going to hang with this guy. Yeah. And we're going to we're going to rally around him because believe me, if I was awful at my job and, and I'm not trying to brag, I'm not suggesting that the students wouldn't come. True. If I was someone who blocked their spiritual development and yeah. their growth and their formation, they would have no use for me. True. I, I, again, privilege. Yeah. Humility. Mm-hmm. I mean, they allow me to, you yeah. know how old I am. I mean, to, to hang out with 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds, I mean, and, and, and they love it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's kind of like, what am I doing right here and how? Mm-hmm. I, I don't get it, but. Yeah. I know I'm not going to get in the way of it. So mm-hmm. that's a long way to answer the question. That's, a good that's more than that. one word. There you go. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, how do you see your role in fostering faith in each of us? How do I see my role? Mm-hmm. Well, 
you know, I'm not going to waive the catechism. That's not my job. Yeah. Um, at your at your age, you've all been through the formation process for the most part. We do have an RCIA program. We do have a confirmation completion program at Boston College, and other people are responsible for that. My job is to be a sounding board mm-hmm. and a mirror for people at this point. I like that. Because, you know, in music school, they tell you, okay, when you t- take music theory, the first year of music theory, we're going to teach you all of the rules. The second year of music theory, we're going to teach you how to break all of the rules. Mm. And so when students come to me at this point in their life, yeah, they're asking questions. They're asking Dude, I went through confirmation. I stayed in a youth group. Do I really buy this? Yeah. Is this real? Mm-hmm. Do I want to be of a different religious tradition? Or is the Catholic faith for me? Because as you know, not everybody in the liturgy arts group is a Catholic. Yeah. And not only that, not everybody in the liturgy arts group is a Christian. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They're all welcome. Yeah. You know, why do we have a right of election on the first Sunday of Lent if all are not welcome? Mm. If we don't get that, we are missing the point. Mm. And I think as responsible campus ministers, and and I'm not picking on my my colleagues at all, I think that's our job to open wide the doors you know, mm-hmm. if if Jesus can 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 lay on the cross, yeah. I think I can open the door. Mm. So that's my role in mm. in your faith development. Solid and much appreciated. Um, what is the most rewarding part of being a music minister for college students? You don't have to ask a college student that. <laughs> um, Ask the question again. Maybe I, sh- I interpreted that wrong. Um, what is the most rewarding part of being a music minister for college students? Oh, okay. I, I was looking at it from okay. the couch. That... I was like, hmm. <laughs> What's well... the most rewarding part of having Meyer around? <laughs> That's great. Here's the thing. Watching people come into their own. Mm. You know, I get a lot of pushback when I'm in the office especially when a new person comes in and they have to do the voice check thing and yep. there are other people around or somebody's preparing the psalm for the first time or learning to be a cantor or they're, they're, they're questioning their self-worth, they're questioning their abilities, they're questioning whether or not they should be doing this. And I say things that pull things out of people. Mm-hmm. Not that I can make changes for anyone. Yeah. Changes are an interior thing that one has to apply. Yeah, You have to make the change. I can point out what needs to be changed. I can give you some recommendations as to how to go about changing it. But if a change is to be made, it's the individual that makes the change. Yeah. So watching somebody get it is like, yeah. Yeah. Now we're, now we're doing this thing mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And so many people... Have stood before me, not that I'm anyone to stand before, but literally, I'm behind the piano and they're standing yeah. in front of me, and I see the light go on in their yeah. eyes because they've either felt or heard something that they just did, and it felt like it was in the right place. Mm-hmm. It is so awesome. Yeah, solid answer. Um, all right, two more questions here. 
what did you feel most trained for coming into this job and what's what challenges have been the most surprising? An interesting question from Christina. Most challenging? Yeah. Um, challenging. <laughs> that I can talk about. <laughs> yeah, there's some things I won't talk yeah. about. Um, just keeping it going. Um, not not feeling burnt out in the process because I've watched some people get burnt out and go bitter. Mm, yep. Um, and I and I often wonder. You know, when I first came to Boston College. You mean I get to do all this and I get a paycheck too? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, uh, this is heaven, the, mm-hmm. the candy land, uh, the playtime, let's do this. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, not not letting, sweating the small stuff. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of small stuff mm-hmm. that can get under the skin yeah. and make people annoyed. Especially with liturgy. Yeah, with liturgy, with music, with, with structures, with institutions, rules and regulations and minutiae. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you learn to love reveling in minutia, hmm. yeah. it's going to be okay. Give me the second part of that question again. Uh, what part of your job did you feel most trained for? Hmm. Ultimately, I think, again, I go back to Bill Burke's words about the essence of life being in relationships. I think that's the part that I was best trained for. Hmm. How to be ready, and I and I learned a lot of that by working at the Archdiocese of Boston. Yeah, um, there were some great mentors, mm-hmm. awesome people, who when we were dealing with the sex abuse crisis, mm-hmm. um, we learned a lot. Yeah, we learned a lot about human nature, and we learned a lot about what's important in dealing with not only the people who are hurting, who are not clerics, mm-hmm. but learning how to deal with hurting priests. Yeah. A lot of our religious women mm-hmm. and men were playing out hurting because yeah. they did not enter that life to A, be a harm to anyone mm-hmm. or B, to, to be hurt by it themselves. And I think that took them by surprise. Yeah. And when some of us in the laity decided to turn our backs on them, I think that hurt them more. Yeah. Because they came to serve, mm-hmm. not to be served. Some people got it twisted, and I understand that. Yeah. And, and some still have it twisted, and they need, to, they need to get that straightened out. But by and large, good people enter the, the, the ministry and by ministry, I'm talking about the service to God's people. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of good people that do that. And some of them get destroyed in the process. And I vowed that when it was happening on my watch, that those people would always feel affirmed by me. Mm-hmm. And I believe that to this day because there's still people hurting today. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I met with Vivian Soper yesterday for my social work project. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another... Speaking of a champion, yeah, she 
when this whole thing broke out, she was one of the the people that was doing listening groups. Mm-hmm. And she just sat there to listen. Yeah. And she caught, I, if I were her, I'd be in therapy for the rest of my life. Yeah. Because some vile things were said to her mm-hmm. that, A, she didn't deserve. Yeah. A, she didn't uh, provoke. Yeah. But B, she sat there receptively and accepted what people had to say. Mm-hmm. Because A, people needed to say what they had to say. And someone on behalf of the church needed to be there to receive yeah. it. So God bless her. Mm-hmm. Vivian, I have a lot of respect for you. Yeah. Yep. All right. So switching gears from something heavy, we have to wrap up. And oh. we have something at the end that we do that's called Catholic Quick Questions. Oh. It, yeah, it might be as painful as it sounds. I don't know. Um, I We did an Ask Olivia episode in December where listeners got to ask me questions. Oh, boy. And I had to put up with the Catholic Quick Questions. <laughs> Get scared. The first question, yeah. what's your favorite animal? No. <laughs> I used to have a pet red devil. What? Okay. It's a fish. Hey, you've got a beta. When you, yeah. Yes. Okay. Accepted. Thank Good you. answer. Thank you. <laughs> Fine. That's not a Catholic question. I talked about a red devil for crying out loud. <laughs> Do I need to come up with a better way to phrase the question? Like, if you could hang out with any animal on Noah's Ark... What would it be? A red devil. <laughs> Fine. I see how it is. The question originated because of the goat obsession that oh, has okay. taken over. Red yeah. devil. <laughs> Fine. All right. We'll let the clergy talk about their goats and you can have your red devil. That's fine. <sighs> All right. You ready for the next question? I don't know. Are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> What's your favorite book of the Bible? Ooh. See, they're Catholic quick questions, I promise. Ooh, that's a, the Deuteronomy came up first, but I don't know. That's that's an intense book. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, go on. I'll, I'll just let okay. it go. All right, Deuteronomy. Um, what's your favorite book in general? My favorite book? Yeah, not the Bible. My favorite book. Huh. Maybe a catcher in the rye. Solid one. Yeah. Yeah. Good answer. Also accepted. I've got a Holden Caulfield complex, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I identify with the dude. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, what is your favorite place that you've ever traveled? Oh, I think Grand Cayman is kind of mm. sticking out right now. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, what is your favorite form of prayer or way to pray or your favorite prayer? You know, I love the liturgy of the hours. Mm, same. And I love the sung liturgy of the hours. Um, and I spent a lot of time doing that when the summer I was at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And early on in my career with the Archdiocese, we used to do, um, in the evening prayer service um, on the eve of the Martin Luther King holiday, and it was the liturgy hours, mm-hmm. but it was done from a very African-American perspective. Yeah. Huh. Oh, it was glorious. Yeah. It was just glorious. And we used to do it at the seminary, and it was just a memorable time. Yeah. And it, and it introduced people 
to this beautiful prayer of the church that the average lay Catholic doesn't yes. participate mm-hmm. in. You know, um, yeah. Yeah. That would be me. Mm-hmm. Have you ever met Tom Lyman before? No, I don't know that. No. Name. He, he does liturgy evangelization stuff for the Archdiocese, but he, our, like, Discipleship Week, the teen retreat that Sarah Ryan and I met on, mm-hmm. um, he teaches all the kids how to chant the Liturgy of the Hours. Oh, great. Like, back and forth. And, like, I don't know. I think that's really important for teenagers to, I don't know, now we're familiar with it and can read chant somewhat and, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just exposing people to it who mm-hmm. wouldn't normally have that opportunity. Um, all right. What is your favorite part of being a dad? Big questions around here. Well, you know, I love my sons uh, immensely. Um, watching them turn it around. The day, the first time um, when they said something to me, because, you know, all children really have had enough of their parents by the time they're about 17, right? <laughs> We're done with you. <laughs> But then now that they're both in their 20s and they turn around and they ask questions of a man who was once upon a time in their minds too dumb to put his socks on, you know, (laughs) Uh, now that you look at it as having great wisdom Mm. or like, especially when my younger son calls up and he says, Dad, I want you to know I love you. Mm. I'm like, whoa, whoa, (laughs) slow down, tiger, Mm -hmm. you know, um, or my older son, I saw him over the weekend, and I got a hug and a kiss from him. Mm. And this young man is 27 years old now. Yeah. Um, that's a meltdown. Mm. That's a meltdown. I have no defense. <laughs> they could rob me blind at that point, you know? Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right. Solid answer. Also accepted. Better than the Red Devil answer. Um, but I love my Red Devil answer. But speaking of that. The same way that you love your son. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was with that fish for a long time. <laughs> Dear. What is it? I was going to say, more importantly, um, the, the, the the beautiful human being that allowed me to become a father mm. is probably more important than being the dad, mm. being the husband. Mm. Um, there isn't a day that goes by that that woman doesn't tell me that she loves me. Yeah. Not and more than once a day. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm blessed. We love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. Yep. Now, that would be a great podcast. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay. She's like the social service queen yes. of the diocese. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Go get her. Mm-hmm. She's um, going to hate me for that, but. <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> You've thrown off one of my questions by being like a Catholic superstar because what? one of my questions is if you could meet any pope, who would it be? But you've already met popes. I did. That was so cool. Okay, if you could meet any pope prior to JP2, who would it be? Well, maybe Pius X. Okay. I've never gotten that answer on the podcast before. It's usually like, Peter. Yeah, maybe Pius X. Okay, all right. His, You know, when, when you're a music student uh, or you're a liturgy student, his motu proprio, Mediatro Dei, uh, figures central to um what you read okay and i would just like to go back and ask him what were you thinking yeah and how did this become so significant that it laid the groundwork for what 
um, John the Twenty Third, when he opened the doors, mm. threw the window open, and started the whole Vatican II movement. Yeah. And then Paul the Sixth, in his comments to the African community in particular, I mean, it, it just goes on and on and on. And John Paul the Second, when he went to New Orleans and what he said to the people there, I, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Ten. Yeah. Answer is man. definitely accepted this yeah. time. Yeah. Music is the handmaid of the liturgy. Mm. He's my guy. Yes. Yeah. I'm down with Pius X. Okay. All right. Um, similar question. If you yeah. could be best friends with any one saint, who would it be? I don't think that saint's been created yet. <laughs> There's no Saint Meyer, is there? No. You want to be best friends with a saint who has your same name? W- wouldn't you? No. Oh. There also isn't a Saint Olivia either. Well, we can work on that. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll canonize you if you canonize me. How's that? Sure. There's something heretical about yeah, that. Yeah, that doesn't work, but. No, I. Uh, let's see. <laughs> wow. You know, um, weird but true story. Oh, dear. Um, my, confirm- my middle name is Joseph, and yeah. my confirmation name is Joseph. Um, and. Joseph the worker, mm. Joseph the father, Joseph the husband, um, figures high into my life. Yeah. Quite unsuspectingly, when I meet, met Mary Elizabeth Chambers, Himes at the time, before <laughs> I married her, and she married me, um, she grew up in upstate New York, totally, completely... I never knew this woman. Yeah. Never had any interaction with her. Her middle name is Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Her confirmation name is Elizabeth. <laughs> so we both did the same thing. Yeah. And when we found that out, we just kind of looked at each other like, yeah. no, hmm. hmm. I know that's a tangent on the yeah. whole saint question, but yeah. it's significant in my life. Okay. And it's a connection between us that I have never forgotten. That, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Good fun fact. All right, last question. You ready? Yeah. Um, this one's from Christina. So you More Christina? What More was... Christina. She she did a good job. Well, she always does a good yes. job in many things, but, you know. It's fine. Okay. All right. Did we did we answer Brenna's question? Because I don't want to get... We, we did. We answered okay. Brenna's. We answered Lizzie's. We answered Mary Claire's. Oh, oh yeah. We, we, we got it done. No Matt Davis in there? No. Yeah. Because he would throw a zinger, you know. Yeah. He's that kind of guy. Yeah, he is. But that's fine. We didn't say that on air. <laughs> <laughs> or Steven Seville. Boom. That, yeah, you're asking for trouble there. Um, if you could only sing one hymn for the rest of your life, what hymn would it be? <gasps> I know. Does that that's make you unfair. love Christina a little less? Well, it would no, 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 no. Um, before the, we started taping this, uh, one of the old hymns that <laughs> takes me back, and I mentioned it. I don't know if you remember. Uh, was Mother dear, oh pray for me. Mm. That's a beautiful old hymn, and I think it was one of my mother's favorites. Mm. And that that hymn will always live in my heart, and always be on my lips at some point. Mm. And it's like maybe once every 10 years I get to sing it somehow. Okay. <laughs> so, right. yeah. Pretty I think that one stays with me. Okay. Also accepted. Better answer than the fish. 
<laughs> what? You you have a fish named Fisher Reed. <laughs> and <laughs> he's not my favorite animal. I forget what my fish's name was though. He had a, he See, had a name. this is the problem. But he was a red devil. He didn't need any other name. I lovingly named my fish. My fish even okay, here's a funny story. So I got my fish before Christmas, and then my brother and my brother's girlfriend, Brooke. They each got me the same Christmas present without talking to each other. They each got me a plaque for the fish tank that says Fishup Reed on it. So Fishup now has a little, like, gold nameplate that can, like, stick onto the front of his tank. And then Max got me, like, a little, like, signpost that goes underwater, like, ceramic thing that says Fishup Reed on it. Yep. So now Fishup Reed is adequately labeled. Nobody can forget that he has a name, but you forgot your fish's name. Whoa. You could read your fish's name. This was the 70s. Who named their fish? Oh, these put a plaque on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's fine. Okay. It's <laughs> a hungry fish, too. You see, Fish of Reed isn't because I only remember <laughs> to feed him like once a week. <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about what he ate. But <laughs> I don't want to ask. I don't want to know. Um, all right. Anyway. Um, Last final wrap-up question. If you have any advice for a lot of the listeners of this podcast or college kids or young adults, mm-hmm. if you have any advice looking back on your story, what would it be? Keep the faith. Mm-hmm. Which also happens to be our lag motto for this year. I know. And that, that, that wasn't a cheap shot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, don't give up. Yeah. Don't ever give up. Um, there's so much beauty in life. And there's some ugliness in life, too. Um, it's about balance. Um, they're going to be difficult times. They're going to be painful times in everyone's life. But uh, the beauty of God's creation far outweighs any ugliness that the darkness can bring in. Mm-hmm. Don't let it consume you. Yeah. Stay, stay on the narrow. Stay straight. Solid advice. Mm. Yeah. All right, Meyer, it has been awesome to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for coming over. Thank you. Good conversation, friend. All right, listeners, we will talk to you next week and keep on reaching to the heights. Thank you so much for listening into this very special and very fun episode of the To the Heights podcast um, with Meyer Chambers. And a big thank you to Meyer for coming over to Catholic TV. finding a time (laughs) we struggled to find a time for like a year to record with each other because that says something about um when he said like i have so many jobs he truly does um he does so much for this archdiocese so much for his parish and for bc and for all of us and if you ever walk into the lag office and say can i have a minute can i talk to you for a minute the answer is always yes he will always make time for you um he has such a big heart and it has been such a joy to get to know him um and to look up to him as a role model Thank you, Meyer, for coming over, and thank you for all that you do for all of us in LAG. All right, be sure to tune in next week. Um, We have some very exciting guests coming up. We have a lot of in-studio guests um, as opposed to guests who call in, um, and in-studio guests are always so much fun. We have had so many of them lately and have so many of them coming up, um, which is just a joy to be able to sit with someone and to talk over their story, um, which is something that we talked about in Sister Christina Miriam's episode a few episodes back. Our, our stories are powerful um, and we might not think that they're interesting personally, but they are definitely interesting and uplifting and inspiring to other people. 
So be sure to tune in next week for a new episode every Monday. Um, you can find us at grexley.com or on any podcast platform at To The Heights. Um, you can find us on Patreon for some behind-the-scenes content, behind-the-scenes videos and text posts. Um, that is all at patreon.com slash grexley. If you have any guests that you would like to recommend, there is a form on grexley.com um, slash To The Heights that you can fill out with a nomination for someone to be interviewed on the To The Heights podcast, or you can always shoot us an email at totheheightspodcast at gmail.com. All right, and let us know what you think of this episode and all of the To The Heights podcasts. Let us know what you're thinking. Send us a goat gif because that's what we do over here. Um, that is all at To The Heights CTV on twi Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I almost just combined the words Twitter and Instagram. Um, this is my third podcast of the day, guys. But be sure to interact with us and follow along at To The Heights CTV. And you can find me at Olivia Rose underscore art or oliviarosart.com. All right, be assured of my prayers for you. Shoot us any prayer intentions that you have on social media, um, and we will pray for them for sure during this Lent. Um, keep on reaching to the heights, and we will talk to you next week.